0: I'll tell you, bringing this car brings back memories of a boating trip I took years ago. I was with a good friend of mine and we were launching a boat, like this one, in a beautiful, beautiful lake. This lake had the coffee black water, the lily pads, the moss. We'd seen some crazy creatures on the banks. We'd seen the water moccasins, the nutria. We'd seen the big alligator snapping turtles and just kind of a swampy lake. We launched the boat and we're motoring across this body of water. You know how you do when you or in a boat. You can look around. Yeah, okay. All of a sudden, we hit something. Now that's a common occurrence, especially in kind of a swampy lake to hit something. And I thought to myself, we'll just keep going. But everything stopped. So we rocked the boat back and forth nothing happened. We paddled, nothing happened. Cranked the motor up, nothing happened. I'm like, man, we're stuck. Something is up. So I decided to do something, and I acted like it was no big deal, but in my mind, I was thinking, Ooh. I curled my toes over the transom of the boat, dove into the coffee black water, and I swam up underneath the hull of the boat feeling around for what was messing with us. I was trying to feel around and, and find that, that object or something that, that was keeping us stuck, and I touched it, and you think, is it a snake? Is it, I don't know, a, alligator? No, no, no. Wow. It's a massive stump. This stump had literally impaled our boat. We were like a floating shish kebab. It had had penetrated the fiberglass into the styrofoam. So the more we rocked the boat, the more we tried to get off of this, we were boring a giant hole in the hull of our boat. And had we continued doing what we did, we would have sunk. But we were stuck out in the middle of this beautiful lake because of an underwater hindrance—this, this stump. Maybe just maybe I just described your life. Maybe just maybe—I mean, you don't look like it, but maybe you're stuck. Maybe you want to move along and. You know you should function in a different way, but because of your dysfunction, and the reason we all have dysfunction is because we disd dissed God's function for our lives. Because of our dysfunction, because of your dysfunction, to personalize it, you're stuck. You can't move. And you think, well, maybe it's due to my family of origin. Maybe it's due to my marriage. Maybe it's due to the, the cards I've been dealt. Maybe it's due to my genetics. I'm, I'm stuck. And you're trying to get off of this stump, but it's not working. I'm in a series called Adult Children. We've been saying around here that we treat our children like adults, and yet when we become adults, we act like children. Children learn at surprisingly young ages how to live in denial. This was a denial, but we had someone to change it because we, we live in denial, and growing up, a lot of us lived in denial, and it served us well. Now that we're adults, we still are in denial. Maybe you grew up in a family where divorce occurred. Maybe you grew up in a family where you had an addict. Maybe you grew up in the family of a narcissist. Maybe you grew up where there was some sort of emotional or physical or even sexual abuse. I'm here to tell you that those issues can keep us from from cruising. Those issues can, can, can cause so much commotion, so much mayhem that, that we can't really do what God wants us to do because we haven't dealt with those underwater character stumps that have us stuck. So what is that character stump? What is that, that, that thing in your life? Are you, are you man enough, are you woman enough to curl your toes over the transom of the boat, to dive down deep in the murky, black, critter-infested water and feel that that stump? To name that stump? I I know it's weird, I know it's kind of freaky, but I want to challenge you to do so. In this series, we looked at each other in the first week and said, hey, I can't change. And the second week, we noticed that, yeah, we can't change, but God can change. And then we said to ourselves, Lord, I want to submit my will and my purpose to you. We called it the will-barrow step, or the will, W-I-L-L, God's will-barrow. Because God's will for your life and mine is amazing. God wants us to function to His purpose, to do His will. You remember when Jesus taught us how to pray? Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is what it is, right? God's will is perfect in heaven. And those of us who say, I can't change, God, you can change me. I want to submit my life and my will to you, God, Well, what's going on in heaven can happen on earth. Not perfectly, but it can happen. Are you in God's will? Are you in God's purpose? To understand all of this, to understand the luggage rack and the baggage that we carry, you need to go to fellowshipchurch.com and look at the other messages to really understand the context of what I'm talking about. But let's go back to the boat. Are you ready to look at some character stumps? that have you stuck. The Bible says in John chapter seven, verse 24, it says, let's, let's read it together. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Well, what's the first character stump that all of us deal with? As we dive deep, as we go under the water, as we feel around, the first one is pride. Pride, the precursor, the forerunner of all sin, pride. I can recognize pride in you but I have a hard time recognizing it in myself. Oh, I can see it on social media, but I can't see it on my posts. Oh, that's a humble brag. Oh, I, can, I can't believe she would post that or he would post that. Man, they're, they have a pride problem. So in this series, I want us to have more thumbs than fingers. At Fellowship Church, that's what I love about fellowship. We're not a finger-pointing church. It's more about the thumb. It's like Lisa and I lived in a neighborhood years ago, and the houses on the neighborhood in the neighborhood were, were, were nice, you know? They were, they were cool. But there was one house that was totally junked out, full of crap. And I called the people, although I never met them, Jim and Jill Junkster. They had gibbledy junk everywhere. You know what I'm saying to you? Those people that just had too much going on. I wanted to go over there and say, have you ever just looked around? Have you ever just noticed how junky your house is? It looks like, looks like a flea market in Canton, Texas, man. It looks bad. Clean your act up. But see, I'd be an idiot to do that. I have to take care of my own yard, my own house, my own situation. So, I know it's tempting to think about your husband or your father or your ex or your boss or your coworker or your teammate or your teacher, but think about yourself. Lamentations chapter three, verse 40, let us examine our ways, the Bible implores us to do so, and test them and let us return to the Lord. The ride of pride. See, pride comes before all sin. I can't lust until, first of all, I'm prideful. I say, you know what, my sexual function is my deal, it's not yours, God's, so I lust, and I have a God-given desire that goes haywire. The Bible says about pride something very, very real. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. Could it be that you have a pride situation? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, I know the prideful person. That person who's blinged out, person who drives a fancy car, that person that's always talking about, me, 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 I know that person. You know, the person that's always one-upping everybody at the party. I'm here, and you're there. Oh, that's pretty cool, but look at me, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, that, that, that person The me monster. That that person's prideful, but I would submit to you that some of the most prideful people I know are prideful in their humility. Interesting. So the moment I think I'm humble, I'm prideful in my humility. Wow, pride, pride. Pride's ugly. It is pride. I can't say pride without thinking of I, pride, me, my, and it's just this natural tendency we have to elevate ourselves above God, you have to say, you know what, I've got a pride issue. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, I have a pride character stump in my life? Well, there's another one. And, and, and then this, this message is, is, is tough, I'm telling you. The first three steps, okay, I can deal with that, but when it, when it talks about doing a sinventory, that's step four, really getting into that deep and dark and dirty water and finding the character stump of pride, or maybe the second one, envy. Envy. I wrote a book years ago, and the title is Fatal Distractions. And one of the chapters I wrote about was this sin called envy. Envy. You know, you hear someone is green with envy. We Look at people with that envious eye. We're, we're envious, you know, uh, uh, over someone else's spouse or portfolio or house or influence or, or, or their gifts. We're going to find out that envy and greed are twins, ugly twins. U-G-L-Y-U ain't got no alibi. Ugly twins. I mean, greed is a sin, but envy is on the HNL a whole nother level. I'm gonna bring back that. I haven't said it for a long time, but you know, with the whole millennial crowd, what's old is new, what's old school is new school. Let's say it again: whole nother level. Envy, envy, envy. I think about the Bible. I, I think about Saul, remember when Saul saw David? David had just defeated Goliath. He was blowing up on social media, trending on social media, all these clicks, all these likes, all these followers, and Saul looked at him, and the Bible says he looked at David with that eye of envy. Envy is, I want what you have, and when I'm envious, I'm always comparing myself with others. So when I'm envious, this is just me, usually I feel discouraged. Sometimes I'm just discouraged when I'm envious. I'm like, man, they're better than me. They're just better. Well, man, I feel bad. I'm not that talented, I'm the no count. (laughs) Or I compare myself with others and I say, man, I'm better than them. Oh, I'm a lot better than her. Oh, I'm be- yes, I'm better than that. Envy takes us to dark places. Could you be dealing with this pride? Maybe you're dealing with, with this, this desire to hear the words you never heard growing up. You're great at that you're good at doing that, I love you. Maybe pride is that character stump. Maybe it's envy. Maybe you grew up in a very competitive family of origin, and you think I've got to always belittle someone because when I belittle someone, I feel better about myself. Maybe you dress to belittle others. Maybe you talk to belittle others, and it's a sinister way of, of being envious. And then I think about another character stuff. There's another one. I mean, I know it's negative, but it's going to get positive. I promise you. Anger. Anger is another one. Anger. Maybe anger is driving you. Anger. Anger. Everybody is outraged these days. Have you noticed that? Everybody's outraged. Everybody's angry. I was reading this past week online of all the different groups that are angry. And I I promise you, there's, there's, there's the outrage of the knitting association you think i'm kidding there there's the there's the outrage of coaches the the outrage of teachers of course the outrage of lawyers and 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 preachers and everybody's just outraged everybody's Angry, you know, and we even have groups that are outraged about all the outrage that's going on. It's like our culture's cutting its teeth now on, on being outraged. I read one psychologist who talked about all of these quote "champions of moral outrage, and this psychologist was saying, "So often, when people stand up and go on social media about moral outrage, they just want you to notice them and say. Oh, that's a good guy. That's a good girl. And this man was submitting that, do they really care that much about the issue that they're freaking out over? Anger. Anger is an easy emotion. I'm, I'm just, I just get angry easy. It's just easy. It's, it's a secondary emotion. Did you know that? It's not the primary emotion. Go back to Saul. I mentioned him earlier. Saul, instead of feeling insecure... Instead of absorbing that, wow, you know, I'm going to run in my own lane and be my own guy. What did Saul do? Saul jumped to anger. Saul tried to kill David over anger. Anger. It's it's an easy emotion. What do we do with anger? Maybe you grew up in a family and maybe you have learned how to do anger like your family of origin. Some people suppress anger. We Tupperware anger. We put it away and put it in the fridge, and it's there for four or five months, maybe four or five years. Then one day we open it. Where did that come from? Or some of us just express it. Yeah, we handle it gunslinger style. Ah! Wah, wah, wah. Oh. Ah, wah, wah, wah. Who knows that song? Oh, that's for the 45 and over crowd. Yeah, if you don't know that, I'm, I'm telling you, you talking about some great movies. Those spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood, I love those things. You can kind of see the sweat, hear the flies. I, I love those. The cigar. You can just, I man, we just don't make movies like that anymore. Anyway, I was thinking about those movies. So, <laughs> but some of us handle anger that way. We just rage on people, rage on our spouse, rage on our kids, rage at work. We just love rage. It's the age of rage. The mood is rude. I'll just get angry. I mean, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Oh my goodness. You're standing in line at Starbucks, and the person in front of you changes her order. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want four shots. I wanted two shots, two, two calf and two decaf, and plus, the phone the was not enough on my cappuccino. <sniffs> yeah. We're angry. Now, there's a time to be angry. Most of us, though, jump on anger because that's the way we learned how to deal with stuff. And it's an easier emotion, feel the first feeling. So, so is anger keeping you stuck? Is anger keeping you from cruising? Now the fourth character stomp, well, let me put it this way. When I say this, don't shift nervously in your seat because we'll know that you deal with it. Lust. I told you. (laughs) Lust. As I said earlier, lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. We're sexual creatures, sex is a good thing, it's a God thing. I've lectured about it, written about it. We have an attraction for the opposite sex, but what has happened is we've dis-God's function and we said, you know what, I'm gonna function sexually my way. And you have this whole craziness going on, this whole thing with porn, this whole thing with hashtag Me Too from Harvey Weinstein to Bill Cosby, you have premarital sex, you have homosexuality, you have adultery, you have premarital sex, you have people masturbating in front of computers by the millions and millions and millions for their sexual hit, and you've got lust, and and, and lust is messing a lot of people up. Could it be that it's Messing you up. Could it be that lust is, is putting a hole in the whole of your life and you're sinking because of it? 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related. Porn increases marital infidelity by 300%. That means if you watch porn together or separately. The most common female role in porn is women in their 20s portraying teenagers. And several years ago, I did a television interview with a porn star and her porn star boyfriend, and they actually talked about some of those issues with me as they defended porn. Porn is a global estimated 97 billion dollar industry with about sixteen billion of that coming from the US. Unbelievable. Pornography. How do you deal with lust? Are you dropping those comments to find the lust quotient in other people? Do you do you do you find yourself in this situation where you're functioning your way and you're not functioning God's way. I'm here to tell you that you do sex God's way and great things will happen. But if you don't, I mean, read the secular stats on this stuff, friends. It's dark and deep and dirty and nasty, so no wonder half of the marriages are ending in divorce. No wonder the mayhem due to divorce and abuse and addiction. Most of the roles that porn stars play in the movies, the female porn stars, will be that of teenage girls. And we wonder about child porn. We wonder about all this stuff, are you kidding me? Yet our world doesn't have the answer. The world of science doesn't have it, biology doesn't have it, psychology doesn't have it. Yeah, they can say there's a problem, but what's the answer? Is this keeping you stuck? Another one is greed, greed. What is greed? Is that saying you should never have any ambitions or goals? No, it's not saying that. Proverbs 28, 25 says, the greedy stir up conflict. But those who trust in the Lord will what? Boy, you sounded excited about that. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Yes. We get in the will, W-I-L-L, Barrow, we're going to prosper. Does that mean have a lot of money? For some people. Does that mean to have just amazing relationships? Uh, Yeah, because that's more than what money can buy. Does that mean that we can do life the way we're supposed to do it? Yes, because we're functioning the way God wants us to function. But the greed is when I say more, 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 more. And greed will make you nasty, man. I know some people who are greedy and they don't have much. And they had this scowl on their face. They look bad, greedy people. I know there's one guy who's greedy. I met him when he was a young guy, before he, you know, had anything, and he was he was you know looked look good. As he's gotten older, and he doesn't go to church here, so so don't look around. As he's gotten older, this guy has gotten freakier and freakier. And I've talked to a number of people who've done business with him. They're like, man, this guy's greedy, just greedy. You can have stuff. The Bible is not anti-ownership. You can have goals and do all that, but are you generous? Are you unselfish? Because if you're selfish, yourself will smell like a fish. A fish. One time I took the twins fishing. They were tiny. We caught a little little perch, and without me knowing it, they put the perch in my tackle box. I went home and put the taco box up in our garage, and after about two weeks of triple degree August Texas heat, our garage was not smelling too pretty, and finally, we figured out what the problem was, a fish. You're selfish, you'll smell up the joint. Another one, if you're keeping score number six, that's gluttony. What's gluttony? The word gluttony comes from a Latin term to gulp. Too much food or drink, or I would say, not enough food or drink. How do you spell relief? Give me some nachos and cheese, can I have another milkshake? We're like a bunch of blue sharks in a feeding frenzy, gluttony, an obsession with food, too much food or too little food. We have a whole culture now that worships food. Oh, you gotta eat clean, man, eat clean, eat clean. Gluten-free, organic, vegan, forks over knives. And we bow down at the altar of food. And we worship physiques and worship all of that. We say, yeah, I'm eating clean, man, and yeah, know. at least I'm not addicted to porn or I don't have an anger problem. You're addicted to food. You're addicted to having an APAC. You're addicted to working out. You're addicted to yourself. You're a glutton. It's so easy. So easy to do that. We have eating disorders. Anorexia. Bulimia. Just for the look. and we so often say, I'm just eating clean to camouflage that deadly sin. Wow, this is a tough message. I don't even like to talk about this stuff. Let's let's, let's be honest. Let me do one more, though, and then we'll we'll change the subject to something good. Slothfulness. What's a sloth? It's a slow-moving, tree-dwelling creature. The sloth. I love this next verse. Check it out. Uh, As the... uh, What? Say. As the... There you go. As the door. It's better than my sound effect right there. And I'm not being envious. As the door turneth upon his hingeseth... I just thought I would kind of go with it. So doth the slothful... Upon his bedeth. So, a lot of people deal with slothfulness. I'm, I'm not talking about sloppiness. Well, I guess you could say that, but really, it's sloppiness. Like the sloth always says, "Oh, yesterday. Aha, tomorrow. Oh, you must be talking about tomorrow or yesterday. Well, how about today? No, no, that's yesterday or tomorrow." They just kind of skim over things. They make decisions of comfort, soft commitments. You know what I'm saying to you? They they, they never really complete the task. They have all these dreams and all these unfinished projects. Could that that be stalling you, keeping you from cruising? Synventory. The seven deadly character stumps. I left you hanging, because I left myself and my friend out in the middle of the lake. You're going, what happened? We were trapped. We were stuck. I swam up under the boat, felt this giant stump. felt the hole in our hull. I told my friend, I go, "Listen, you go to the opposite side of the boat." I'm going to dive to the bottom of this lake, and I'm going to come up as hard as I can and push this boat off the stump, and I think it'll work. He was like, okay, bro. He called me bro. Whatever happened to that, bro? See, that's old school. Let's bring it back. Let's call each other bro. What's up, bro? Let's say it. Just turn to your neighbor and say, what's up, bro? There you go. I've never really used the term bro, but I'm starting to use it now. Again, what's old school is new school. Anyway, I dove down, and when my feet hit the bottom, I mean, yeah, I like the outdoors, but I'm like, what is down here? You know, you never know. When you can't see, that freaks me out, man. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, and there's and, and lily pads all up in my shoulders, this stuff, and little, you know, leeches and stuff. And, and I'm like... Wham! So, I go up and push as hard as I could. The boat wasn't that big. I mean, we're not talking about a giant boat. <laughs> but I was able to get it off of the stick up, boom, crawl back in the boat, and we <laughs> cruise across the lake. I did several things, things that I am going to challenge you to do. I got out of the boat and stopped the shenanigans of just on the surface paddling and cranking the motor up and rocking the boat. I got out of the boat, in the water, found the character stump. Then I told my friend about it. That's your homework. Your homework is James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, Anytime you see therefore, always ask, what's it there for, God? Okay. Confess your sins to who? We well, didn't say that with much conviction. I thought it was just I thought I, it was just God and I. Come on, Ed. You're that's that's the first thing. That's the first thing. But the second thing, the Bible says, confess your sins to someone with skin on. <clears throat> Okay, therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for, who? Yes. So that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, the prayer, the prayer, the prayer of prayer. So confess one of your deadly hang-ups, which one is it? Just write down. Now somebody who... It's a mentor, somebody who is spiritually mature, maybe in your small group, maybe a pastor, maybe a Christian counselor. Here's what I do when I'm prideful. When I'm prideful in this meeting, I say, when I'm prideful, just write it down. Here's what I post. Whatever it is, say it. When you're specific, you'll be prolific. So confess it to God, confess it to others. But here's what we do. So often we want deliverance from our own prayer requests. Did you get that? Lord, I want to change. I know I can't change, but you're about change. I get in the wheelbarrow. I, I, I have these character stumps. Well, God starts working in your life. <laughs> and he's like, I'm answering your prayer. I'm answering your prayer. You want patience? I'm going to put you in a situation where you're going to have to have patience by the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, you're talking about pride? Pride is your issue? Well, I'm going to put you in a situation where you're going to be tempted to one-up that person. You're going to wait for his lips to stop moving and say, do you think that's something? I went on a yacht to the Maldives. Me, me. You see what I'm saying? So don't ask God to deliver you from your own prayer requests. Proverbs 28, 13 Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. God wants you to cruise. Don't disfunction. Go with it. Locate replace that character stump. Stop your paddling. Stop cranking the motor. Dive overboard. Tell God about it and a friend about it, and you'll be free. Free indeed. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great church. Whether you find yourself in the back row of the balcony, whether you find yourself somewhere Maybe in Prosper, Salina, South Lake, at Ranch, downtown Dallas, Fort Worth. Maybe you're watching online somewhere. Maybe you're going to watch this on television somewhere. I don't know. You can pray right now, and Christ will come into your life. I can tell you how to do it. Well, how do I do it, Ed? Say this. Just say, "God, I give my life to you. I believe Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins. Right now, I tell you about that. That I'm a sinner. I turn from my sins and ask you." to take control of me, warts and all. I give you all that I am right now and all that I will ever be. If you said that, and you just had a little mustard seed amount of faith, Christ came into your life. He's forgiven you and cleansed you, and the change is happening right now because you just exchanged all of your mistakes and sins for the mercy and the savior of the world. Maybe it's time for you to get serious about doing this work, this character stump work, this confession work. I'm telling you, there's freedom in it. Father, we thank you for this, and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.